0: Hello, my name is Nikki Toyama-Sito, and I'm the Executive Director of Christians for Social Action, and your host for today's episode of 20-Minute Takes. Today we talk to Eddie Kaufholz. He's the Director of Strategic Communication at Bread for the World. And we talk about storytelling, And the importance of community when listening and holding vulnerable people's stories, and also what it means to stir the Christian imagination. Join us for this episode of 20 Minute Takes. thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Twenty Minute Takes.
1: Oh, Nikki, it's like going home again. with my old friend. We're podcasting again. Yes, yeah, sorry, you're you're introing and doing your thing. It's so nice to be here.
0: Um, I have really appreciated uh, your the way that you talk about story, and so we've brought you on um, because I think it is particularly helpful for activists to think about story. You you've been a storyteller. And uh, leading communications at various justice-based organizations, can you tell us a little bit about how you think about like what is a good story?
1: You know, it's interesting because even the the getting the brand of storyteller, I I almost push back on that for myself. Really, I feel like I, I feel like I'm actually just a sneak. It's a sneaky way for me, yes, to be a story like receiver oh. because I think it's just like there's a lot of stuff I have not understood. Like if you listen back to our podcast that we did together, The New Activist. The know? New
0: Activist. Old yeah. days. Old days. Yeah.
1: Old days. But like that show, our friend Richard said, you know, that show is really about you learning in front of everybody. And I was like, <laughs> uh-huh. and, and he's totally right. Right. So, so for me, it's come, it's always come from that place. So my background is actually in counseling and in uh-huh. counseling, you reveal and give nothing of yourself except for very pointed moments where it's, Very necessary. But generally, it's "Mm -hmm, tell me more. Uh You know, you're finding patterns. And I found that when I was a counselor and when I was seeing clients, that receiving of their story actually was more formative for me than certainly my process of story gathering and telling was for them. And I think that's just been so, I don't, yeah. Yeah. So that's been kind of the process. And it's sort of been, you know, now it's just cloaked in like, you do interviews or you do comms or creative, but it's always just the like the gathering and the pulling because I don't understand something. And so I'm going to try to create a safe space and see if I can just gather something from you. And then that's really helpful for me and maybe for other people. So that was kind of a answer, not the really the answer answer, but kind of like that's how I actually have seen that, that kind of progression in my life where that Hmm.
0: started. So it's kind of, you're more of a story collector yeah, and you happen to share out, some of your collection, but it sounds like your your kind of journey through the world is actually as a curious collector of interesting stories. So, I think one of the things that has been really interesting to me is that you have been somebody who has communicated the stories of some pretty vulnerable people. Uh, whether it's working through IJM or uh, through your work with Bread for the World, or just in some of your other places, how is it that you think about holding other people's stories? And I know there's a lot of um, talk right now, too, about having people tell their own stories. But in reality, folks are sometimes not in the places where they can tell their stories. Do you have any thoughts about like, either guidelines that you have for people who are story collectors like you or people who want to be advocates, but they're also kind of a little bit entrusted with this trust of a story that may not be fully their own?
1: Yeah, I think that is a... It is a generous interpretation to think that I alone have some sort of like pathway to this, because in reality, the thing that I would say to anyone who is trying to be a storyteller, story gatherer, telling sensitive stories is never, ever, ever do it alone. Like Mm. never. Mm. I think that in no way can storytelling be a solo effort. It's, Mm. I know at the end of the day, it's one person on a mic, but you and I are on a mic. We've got someone else listening to us right now. We'll have two other people editing us. you'll have a final listen. It's all filtered and it needs to be. I, I think because of the extremely sensitive and difficult nature of someone sharing their story, which is now just a buzzword for some of the things that are at the core of their vulnerability. yeah, whatever yeah. that is. like if you're asking someone to share their story, you're not just telling ask them to share jokes or you know, their shopping list. You're asking them to get inside something that maybe they've processed, maybe they're comfortable with, but is vulnerable. I think we at least owe it to them if we're going to broadcast that vulnerability to, to put it through layers. And I would say the other thing that I feel like very passionate about, like, we should not be solo creators.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The second one, though, is um, just unconditional empathy. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have interviewed people that I deeply disagree with.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you want to go, I want to go in and I want to wink at my agenda or I mm-hmm. want to slightly, mm-hmm. but I'm like, that's not what this is. This isn't mm-hmm. that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be a trusted space for real people to have real conversations about things that matter. And so you have to do or like, you can't get on a microphone. You can't start writing. You can't start whatever. You can't start broadcasting mm-hmm. until there is at least a part of you that can empathize. And if you can't, just don't talk to them. Just don't do it. Like, it's there's other interviews to have, but like, I've got to be able to pull just a little bit of like, I could see how you would feel that way about that. We can have a, and then we can have a conversation, but it's gotta be. And then I think that kind of gets wrapped into like, then it becomes safe and safety, I think is, is a really important, like you and I have safety right now. Mm -hmm. We trust each other. We're going to, if one of us falls off the ledge, we're going to catch the other one. This is a safe environment. If it wasn't, this This turns very this turns wonky quick,
0: no, no, I think that's really true. I think I appreciate what you're saying about that uh, entering in with some empathy or with some curiosity of the, there's a reason this person who may come to absolute opposite or repulsive conclusions right. has come to those conclusions. And I, I think that's actually such a great thing to model because I sort of feel like that's what a lot of people are longing for is not the yelling talking points. But I think some something of this like seeking for some sort of understanding, not agreement, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but maybe yeah. a little bit of an understanding from someone's yeah, point.
1: yeah and also knowing for myself, like, even with all of that, I'm still a white cisgender, middle upper class, male, Christian, like I know all of my my lanes, right? Yeah, there yeah. are some conversations that are like, this isn't mine. This should, I shouldn't do this. Like I, mm, or, or yeah. I should ask some real permission. Like, is this okay to do? Yeah. And there were just some things I never touched because it was like, I need to lay aside like me as Eddie and just know yeah. like me as an entity in this world. I don't, I don't, this isn't a conversation I should get to have. And so, you know, someone else can record that week or someone else can do a better job of the conversation. But I think there comes a little bit of just ego with that. Like this isn't about, me getting this moment this is about them telling their story and sometimes just my presence
0: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. makes that not a safe place for them even if they like me as a person that this is just this isn't right for them or for what they're about to talk about so
0: yeah no i appreciate the the self-awareness okay i've got a question that might come a little bit out of a baseball field we we haven't identified yet um Go but you, uh, But you operate on a couple of different levels, and I wonder if you might have some insights on this. Um, I have a couple of friends, uh, mostly like people of color, who are either authors or, um, or speakers. They're people like kind of on this content producing side. Mm-hmm. And they have run into gatekeepers like producers, executive producers, editors, who are from a totally separate social occasion usually from the white community, hmm. who, so who are sort of entrusted with this powerful thing of like editing or gatekeeping or releasing this artistic creative project into the world. And they sort of just don't get it. Do you have any advice for folks who do have some of those gatekeeping roles about how they should think about stories that are really, really different from their own. So it might be a pastor letting someone bring a testimony into their church.
1: Mm. But
0: I, in my head, I'm also sort of thinking of like, oh, no, those editors at those Christian publishing houses that just don't understand or get the dynamic or these other kind of content creative gatekeepers. Any thoughts about like either how you've engaged with that or or how you would think about that?
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> That is such a deeply important question. It sounds like I'm prefacing in order to find an answer and I'm like, I'm not, but it's like, (laughs) there is a nuance to that, that I, I don't know that people truly understand the degree to which everybody externally will say that there's no gatekeeper, right? These publishers and content creators will say there's not, but then you know that there are walls being hit. And so to answer your question, the advice for the gatekeeper is one, um, I would ask them to be brave and direct in their feedback.
0: Mm, I think sometimes,
1: mm -hmm. uh, quoting Brene Brown, it's like clarity is kindness. Uh, I think there's part of it that's like, if you're Mm -hmm. a gatekeeper, first of Mm -hmm. all, that's your job. You're Mm -hmm. paid to be a gatekeeper. You're paid to say yes or no. So I'm a gatekeeper of bread for the world content. It's Mm -hmm. an easy gate to keep, to be Mm -hmm. honest, because bread's so positive and everything's so great. But you gotta say no to some stuff. And sometimes it's hard. So I think the first is like, to be crystal clear on like, I am rejecting your manuscript for these reasons and don't be afraid. Like if this is, I think there is a opposite kind of fear that like, if I receive a manuscript and I want to publish it because it is by a thoughtfully diverse author, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I just don't think it's good or Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's right. Right. Like there is that possibility where then you kind of shirk the responsibility of saying, you have asked me to be a gatekeeper. Here is my feedback and mm-hmm. really clear feedback on how it because that's everybody knows the game that we're playing. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is when you're afraid to give that feedback, then you have broken the game. And now there is no clarity. There is just this like nebulous rejection of your, and then you don't know what to place that rejection on. Whereas sometimes the rejection is. Like, something should be rejected, right? It's not ready yet. It's not, or this isn't our organization's voice, or this isn't what we do. Like, it's okay to reject something if you are clear. Mm -hmm. The real problem comes when there's not that clarity, and then the real, real problem comes from a macro level from that kind of gatekeeper when they aren't realizing their position Mm -hmm. in all of this and Mm -hmm. recognizing the places that that position can damage other people purely by their presence and really power over the situation mm, mm-hmm. which is why I would for me the the ultimate hope is that like I don't work and and again this I this is clearly just like a theme even in my gatekeeperness I don't work ever in isolation mm, I have mm-hmm. a team where we discuss stuff and they have called me on many things like I yeah. good bad stuff you're not seeing stuff you're letting through that you shouldn't be just cuz you like the person right uh-huh, like uh-huh. We're not working in isolation. I think that it is back to like, it is either ego or even if it's more sinister, it's, it's something darker, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like something that would be categorized by one of the big isms, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. one of those things, but Mm -hmm. either way, the fact that they are able to just sit in this place alone, Uh unchecked Uh is super dangerous. And I would say, allow yourself to be very transparent and checked. Um, So those, oh, are, the, that's those are the gatekeeper that's, thoughts is that even close to what you were thinking? totally no yeah. I,
0: I I think that's really I think it's really helpful because there is that a little bit of this awareness of of power that you bring yeah. and sometimes that power like you know your audience, you know your organization, and so be clear you yeah. know when you're sort of acting. On. but I appreciate that also kind of this theme of communication and community. It's sort mm. of recognizing. Uh, which I think is really different than kind of this Christian celebrity, this the promotion of an individual. Ugh. But you know, so I I think I really appreciate kind of the health and the robustness, but also sort of the check and and transformation that can happen when you know some of this communication story collecting happens in a community. So I think that's super cool. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Christians for Social Action is trying to do is stir the christian imagination you know like um helping folks bust out of like oh being a faithful christian only looks like this to like oh when we you know read the bible are there new ways that some of this looks lived out especially in the area of justice and i think of imagination and storytelling very close and then i also think of like you know the gospels when I was growing up, it was called the greatest story ever told, right? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so like, uh, the Bible is and Christianity is a storytelling faith, right? It's a, it's a faith of a of an arc of a great story. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about the role of? This Christian imagination. I feel like the story the kinds of stories you tell sort of help fuel my Christian imagination. Oh, I didn't realize churches could be that in that place. Oh, I didn't realize that's what Jesus is doing in that part of the world I've never heard of. you know, th- some of those sort yeah. of things.
1: Yeah, uh it's hard because I what I who I really want to answer this question is you, but I understand the dynamic that we have. <laughs> you ask a question and I answer it. So I will answer it, but I would love for you to if if you are okay with answering your own question, I'm more curious how you would answer it. And I will not be as verbose on this answer, but um I I don't know. Here is what I have experienced is every person who I've ever interviewed ever has in some way alluded to the fact That you're not going to grow unless you're in some way exposed to someone else who is not exactly like you. Mm -hmm. I mean, over and over Mm -hmm. again, it was travel,
0: travel. Mm -hmm.
1: When did Mm -hmm. this? When did you realize you were an activist? When was the first time you realized something wasn't right with the world? And it was for better or worse. Yes, it was the mission trip. Yes, when healing hurts, I understand, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was that exposure and it's over and over again the what's the advice that you'd give what would you these questions and over and over it was like do anything go anywhere that's not the place you're at yes walk to a place that you'd normally drive to do anything to physically put yourself in a different place even Mm -hmm. if it's just Mm -hmm. so there is something about i think the physicality of just experiencing something else and it's not other because the 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 like the key the, the trick is there is no other it is only us yes but we can feel separated so part of it was just like moving into that space mm-hmm. um even if it's not super defined like i know i know there may be problems with us like you, know, you get lost in the philosophy of like oh should there be a soup kitchen does that actually help doesn't it who cares uh-huh. Uh-huh. tonight i'm going uh-huh. to meet a person and uh-huh. we're going to sit and we're going to eat soup together and uh-huh. i realize it doesn't solve everything but like there is something in that that you can't define that I think yes. for me. Yes. So that's been the first one, the first thing. And I do think that the the second piece to that is just to try a little bit not to be afraid. Hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's okay. I remember, oh, well, gosh, one of the best sermons I've ever heard. This was like early 2000s. Uh, This was pre-Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage. This Uh was like, especially in Christian circles, this was like on fire. Okay, And this guy got up under the pulpit and gave a, of a 30-minute sermon, he gave a 28-minute treatise on how the Bible explicitly prohibits and God explicitly prohibits homosexuality. Hmm. And I mean, like, I'm sitting in this church, dying in my seat, going like, Hmm. this is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And in the last two minutes, I mean, it was a, it was a big swing. He took in the last two minutes, he said, and I believe all of that is true. But then I met my friend and then he talked about a person like one of his close friends who came out to him mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that you realized like, he's like, I would have been afraid for so long, mm-hmm. but then you realize like there is a human behind the theory mm. And he's like, and and that blew apart all of my theory. And I realized, so this is kind of an antiquated example. We look at it now, but at the mm-hmm. time it was like, oh, wow. And and it kind of is that, to me, it's trying not to be so afraid to step mm. out of that little world that I'm in. Yeah. Um. I, the, that's the best I can do. And then I guess getting other people to tell me how they do it and then just mooching off of them.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> how would you answer your own question?
0: Okay. I did not expect that. Question to ricochet back to me. Hard um, ricochet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like mean. A wall. It's like a, a racquetball against the wall just coming is. at your face. Here we it's go. It's like,
0: yeah, and those hurt when they hit, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they do hurt bad. Big welts. If you don't want to answer, I don't want to. I'm sorry. This is <laughs> I not
0: I do um, I mean, I, I really like, it, it was really helpful for me to hear your answer because there is something about that when you get out of your own rut, when you do something a little different, that's when you notice all the things that you didn't realize are a part of your own you know like so that's and i think there's something in that that does feed imagination i i think yeah i initially would have said there's something to me that's super exciting about reading something in the bible like a story of a community huh and then releasing what the flannel board Sunday school Christianity told you that looks like lived out, you know, the ways that I kind of have been taught, oh, that, that means this. And then going and finding a community that at its heart is doing that thing, but it's in a way that's so, so, so surprising. That's what I think of in terms of feeding like Christian imaginations. I was at a, a food pantry And I love reading community boards where they say, you know, free ride, free stereo, you know, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things at this food pantry that they were providing is for people who um, didn't have homes, they were offering uh, a professional photographer to take a picture, a portrait, and a hairdresser who would do hair and makeup so that folks could have a picture of themselves. And that to me felt like that was, um, so folks, (laughs) for folks who are coming to a food pantry, uh, who are housing vulnerable, there were these folks who were sort of saying, this is my gift that I have. I'm a photographer. And then this other person says, I'm a hairstylist. You know, would you like a photo of yourself to share with your family or just to have? That, that to me, stirs my Christian imagination. Like, oh, how many things oh I hear God. about, you know, Christian teachers, you know, doing this. But it's like, oh, how beautiful is that? That a Christian photographer oh. and a Christian beautician or or, you know, like... And and how, um, imago day affirming such a simple act is. Dignity.
1: Like, just like, affirming the dignity of people. Like, and especially in a way that it's, it's not necessarily practically helpful. Like that picture isn't going to like do much outside of just affirm dignity. Yes. Like give them a gift they can give or just look at themselves and smile and be happy of like a thing that we just, that is a really, that is a good one. That is really beautiful.
0: So Christian imagination.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the hard throwback.
1: <laughs> no, thank you for the answer. That was that stirred my imagination.
0: Well, great. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. It's always a great joy to hang out and spend some time with you. But I have loved hearing you unpack some of how you think about storytelling and the
1: community. You're one of my favorite people and podcast hosts and neighbors. just are right down the road. Probably almost <laughs> see each other. Um, Thank you. It was a privilege to be here. I love, I love this podcast.
0: 20 Minute Takes is a production of Christians for Social Action. Our music was created by Andre Henry, and this episode was mixed and engineered by Willosa Media. If you like this episode, spread the word by subscribing, reviewing, or sharing. I'm your host, Nikki Toyamasito. If you want to find out more about our work, visit the website at ChristiansForSocialAction.org.